Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. All right, bang, bang, everyone. Welcome back to the show for week number 72. And yes, we are now 72 weeks into the show and rocking and rolling and always here with you your host Mike Santaguida and hope you're all doing fantastic and I hope you've all been enjoying the program uh, you know up to this point and as I've always said I'm you know so grateful really for all our listeners out there and there, there's nothing I'm more passionate about than hockey and goaltending you know as I dedicated my whole life up to this point to, to becoming an elite goaltender and getting to the next level and um, you know, this show is just a, a token of my appreciation and, you know, really a part of, of my legacy as well, you know, by giving back to, to all of you aspiring goaltenders out there. Uh, I know there's lots of coaches and parents that listen as well and, and, you know, giving back to the game and the position that really has given so much to me over my life. So uh, I hope you've been developing. I hope you've been working and moving your career forward in some way, shape or form, you know, using some of the goalie hacks we share on a weekly basis. And as you know, we never miss a week. And we we like to uphold that standard as we know so many people depend on the show for their development. Uh, Over 3,000 subscribers now on the podcast, topping 40K downloads. uh, And it couldn't be more evident that we are leading the goalie industry and the next generation of goaltenders in their development. So if you're someone who's benefited, you know, dramatically from this free program that we put out on a weekly basis for the entire uh, global goalie community, we're calling all our dedicated hackers out there goalies parents coaches alike and we've opened up an opportunity as of recently for our most loyal and dedicated listeners who listen to the goalie hacks podcast on a weekly basis and get it completely free industry leading quality content from some of the best leaders in the goalie world and anything relating you know to the goalie world that can significantly improve your performance as quickly as possible so if you're someone who has benefited dramatically from the free work we provide the entire global goalie community we ask that you consider becoming a patron and contributing to growing the program and the Goalie Hacks audio experience by just contributing a few dollars on a monthly basis in return for the free work we've put out for over a year and a half now for everybody. And as I mentioned before, all the proceeds from, from uh, the Patreon are all used to hire more people, get better guests, improve the Goalie Hacks audio experience, and keep this train rolling really. You know, I can't do it all by myself. And we're continuing trying to to scale the program and hire more people, you know, so we can continue to bring you better, uh, better and better quality as we move forward and consistently show up on a weekly basis to give all our amazing listeners the development they deserve. So if you're someone who cares about this show, if you care about your development and you care about us showing up every week to meet your demand, we ask you please consider to become a patron and contribute a few bucks a month uh, to really help me truly you know, keep this train going because as I mentioned, it's a ton of work and we're constantly trying to improve the experience and bring more people on board and make sure we don't miss a week for all you guys who tune in. So I'm grateful for your considerations. If you're interested in contributing to the Goalie Hacks podcast, as mentioned, please head to patreon.com. That's with E-O-N slash Goalie Hacks to become a patron today and start contributing to the longevity and the quality of this program you know, that has hopefully given so much to you guys in return up to this point. So please visit the website to become a patron today, patreon.com slash goalie hacks. And the link is also available in the episode description, wherever you're listening to get started and become a goalie hacks patron today. But in today's episode, we have recent USNTDP standout, uh, Drew Comesso turned division one goaltender with Boston University on the show. And in this episode, we go, we do a deep dive and go uh, give an inside look you know, at the U.S. National Development Program, some of the biggest takeaways and concepts and idea, you know, Drew learned from the amazing coaches during his time there. We give an inside look, really, to uh, day-to-day, what they're talking about, what they're learning, everything. And uh, we talk about his entire journey up to college, preceding his time in the development program, and his first impressions of Division One hockey as a true freshman, some of his best tips tricks and hacks on how he's been able to compete at the division one level as a true freshman so Drew's a super down-to-earth kid and I know you're gonna love uh, an inside look into his journey today as it's very uh, very um, unique and uh, you know as I know he has a, a bright future ahead of him as well being drafted by Chicago this last October so without further ado let's get into this week's conversation I know you're gonna love the chat 
Drew and I had today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goalie Hacks podcast. And I'm excited to be joined today by another top U.S. active college goaltender, uh, recently winning a medal in the IHF tournament over in Lafayette in the World Championships. And coming off a stellar rookie season with Boston University, and that goaltender is Drew Comesso. And after growing up in Norwell, Massachusetts, on the East Coast, playing U.S. high school prep for St. Sebastian School, he then moved on to start the last two years prior with the NDTP, the U.S. National Development Program, playing over 100 games with the program, putting up some incredible numbers. And as of October, Drew had the privilege of being drafted second round by the Chicago Blackhawks in the NHL. And since then, has gone on to make his freshman debut with Boston University, playing over 10 games this season with the squad as a true freshman, sporting a sub-299 GAA and a 915 save percentage and a winning record of 6-3-1. and And as I mentioned recently, had an opportunity to go play overseas in the World Championship IIHF tournament, winning a medal there representing his country. He was recently named to the Hockey East All-Rookie Team. He's had a ton of success at the next level as he makes his college debut this year. And couldn't be happier to welcome him to the show today to chat some goalie development. Drew, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was quite the intro there. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, well deserved and, and well earned. And, uh, you know, great to have you on, dude. And I appreciate you making some time. I know we're rolling this summer here. But, uh, you know, I've been trying to get some younger guys on the show lately just to provide a, a bit of a different perspective than what we usually have on as a guest. Um, but, you know, I hope you're doing well, obviously, man. I know you're just jumping into college hockey this year right out of the national program. So I think, you know, it will make for an interesting perspective this episode for our listeners. But, Maybe you can just give us some insight into into how the season went for you and your team and some of the challenges you guys had to overcome due to COVID. Yeah, the, the season had a lot of ups, ups and downs with COVID. Um, I mean, I didn't really know what to expect too much going into my freshman year at college, um, obviously because I've never really experienced a, a full college season, but uh, yeah. we definitely made the most of it. We we started a bit later than most of the other teams. I think we were one of the last teams in the NCAA to start just with the COVID protocols, with guys on our team getting it. Mm. Um but we did make the most of it. It was a great season, and um, I really learned a lot uh, playing my first year in college. And uh, I'm definitely excited to get back to school. I was there the other day, just um, seeing some of the guys, seeing our new trainers and our new coaches. So I couldn't mm-hmm. be more excited to get back to school. Yeah, no kidding, man. I, and I obviously wish you the best of luck as we, you know, roll into the summer and you're getting going on your your sophomore season too. And I, I, I guess this summer is actually quickly passing us by here uh, uh but you know I, i'm sure you got like development camps and stuff like that so you know wish you the best of luck but maybe you can just start off you know by briefly sharing a bit of your story your background and how we got to where we are today yeah i started playing hockey uh probably around five or six i was a forward and uh, i have a pond right by my house so my dad would always bring me out there and we'd rip pucks and shoot on the net and really spend a lot of time out there and uh, i tried out for a local club team that's kind of what you do in mass is um kind of making the jump from town hockey to club hockey mm. i did that at a pretty young age and i tried out for forward and i was lucky enough to make it as an alternate forward so if they were missing a player or two for a game i would hop in but you know if they had the full roster then i wouldn't really play so i got a few games in there and luckily i tried out the next season as a forward as well and made it so i was on mm-hmm. on the team full-time the bay state breakers uh can, it was really convenient about 10 or 15 minutes away from my house and we only had one goalie where he was kind of doing the same thing where he was playing town hockey and club so he'd be missing some of our games and I ended up jumping in net for a few games for that club team and then ever since there I took over I Mm. went from the Bay State Breakers and uh, my U14 year I played for the South Shore Kings and to go to nationals and make a run at a nationals um, which was really fun and then I went to St. Sebastian's, which is a prep school here in Massachusetts, and that was really some of the best years of my life. I learned so much off the ice and made mm-hmm. my best friends for life out of that school, and um, I really owe so much to the people there and the school there that they have. It's, it's just really special, and then I was really fortunate to be able to make the NTDP team and went out there for two years, and um, those were honestly so far like two of the best years of my life. And um, I can't thank everyone there enough for making that experience so special. And I just ended up wrapping up my first season at BU. And um, I'm really excited to get a few more BU seasons under my belt. I love it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And, and we're going to jump into kind of your journey and everything. But, uh, you know, why don't we just get right into your personal goaltending philosophy? And, you know, what are your kind of three or four main pillars that you surround and build your game around? And why do you think they're so important? I think the first one is it's talked about a lot is the mentality of 
goaltending, right? I, I think that goaltending is so mental and, um, you know, you can really, you can really like wake up one day and, you know, be like, Hey, I don't want to go to practice or, you know, I don't want to go to skate or, or something like that when you're in mid season feeling tired. And I honestly think mm-hmm. that, you know, your, your outlook on the game and outlook on life can really change that. And that's kind of the biggest thing that I learned at, at the U S program was, um, just like to really be happy and, um, to appreciate everything that happens because, you know, at the U S program, you, you fail a lot, especially your first year, you're playing versus older guys. You never right. really played competition that good and you fail a lot and you can either go two ways and, you know, get mad and frustrated that you're not getting the results you want, or you can look at it where, where with the mindset of, you know, Hey, I'm learning a lot. I'm getting a lot of good tools. Um, that's going to really set me up for success. So I would definitely say your mentality and your, your outlook, um, towards the game is a big thing. Uh, for me too, I think another big thing is really having like a good, um, life away from the rink and, um, really kind of balancing that. I think that if you get kind of too honed in on goaltending and, um, you can really let it take over your life and it's just really unhealthy at at some points, if you play a bad game or something, you can't let that eat you up once you leave the rink. And Mm. that's something I really try and pride myself in is, you know, when I'm at the rink, it's all hockey, it's all that. Um, but you know, whether I lose, whether I play good, whether I play bad outside the rink, I'm going to be the same person after the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, you kind of mentioned, I like how you kind of, you know, we talk about that a ton on the show and this idea of, you know, you'll always learn more from failure than you ever will from success. Right. And I think a lot of people probably look at your career and say, wow, this kid has been incredibly successful yet. You just, you just said, you know, that failing so much in those early years taught you so much early on. So how exactly do you deal with failure? How do you approach it? How are you proactive to, to fix it? Like, let's say you have a bad game or whatever, like, you know, maybe give us some stories early on of some early, early failures you had in the U S program and then how you fixed them over the two years you were there. Like I said earlier, my, my mindset that I learned at the U.S. program really helped me shift, um, you know, using failures um, really to set me up for success in the future. Um, I know, you know, my first year, I just remember being in that some games and being like, man, like I'm getting lit up. I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but like this is the third game in a row where I've led in four in a row and, yeah, like, yeah. and things like that. And um, honestly, I, I learned how to use that and use the failures and like the bad times. Um, to kind of like fuel myself and and get ready for the good times and you know after the game you can kind of flush away the bad things sometimes and and take away the good things Um, and then yeah like my second year I always remember I always tell a story too is pretty early in the season we'd only played a few games and um, we we worked really hard in the off season between the U17 year and the U18 year we trained every day uh, in the gym multiple hours every day so you know, we were really getting ready for the big world tournaments, playing other countries, mm-hmm. and then obviously playing colleges for the first time is awesome too. And uh, we went up to Ferris State, I remember, and um, I remember like the bus was late. It was one of those days where just things weren't going mm-hmm. right. And I think I got pulled in the first five minutes of the game. And I just remember talking to coach after, and I said, you know, you know, I wasn't prepared, and I kind of started making excuses for why I wasn't. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm never going to let that happen again. And, you know, things that are out of my control, out of my control, I can't obviously can't control. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, kind of after that point in the season where I said, you know, that's it, like, I'm going to control what I can control, which is, you know, my mindset, my approach to the game. And I'm going to be happy before the games and everything's going to take care of itself from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I love that, man. It's, uh, it's, it's almost like that, that, that failure creates resilience in you, right? Yeah. Maybe you can kind of touch on that a little bit, just because obviously, you know, um, it's it's a blessing and a curse to be a part of the NDTP, right? Like you said, you're playing against all these older kids as a, you know, a young guy in juniors, and then you're playing against college and stuff like that. So maybe you can just kind of touch on how, you know, um, the failures in that journey really allowed you to, one, figure out the important things, because you, you, you just mentioned, you know, control the things you can control, and you kind of got away from you know, focusing on the distractions versus focusing on yourself and what you can do in your skill development to help control the outcome, to actually control the outcome, right? So maybe you can kind of touch on that a little bit. Yeah, at the at the U.S. program, obviously you're you're also practicing with the best players, and you're going to get scored on a lot in practice, and you know that's just really how it is. And you know, a lot of the guys really that go to the program for the first time, they're always used to being the best players on their team, or right. Um, 
best players around there. So they're not used to failure. And, you know, that's, that's something that everyone really learns there. And um, that's something that I really learned too, is, you know, you can fail a ton of times and it, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It, you could take a lot away from learning. And, you know, personally, when, you know, sometimes when I have a bad game or a bad practice or, you know, it really could be anything in life too. It doesn't have to just be hockey. Mm. You sometimes learn a lot more from failing than you do from having a lot of success. And yeah, I definitely learned that um, through practices and things like that. And I remember last year kind of going through the draft interview process and, you know, they would always ask, you know, what, what type of goal are you? If you get beat in practice, are you going to you know slam your stick or are you going to start like yelling at the forwards and stuff like that? And, you know, my right. mindset really is, you know, no, like, you know, if I get scored on, they're kind of showing me like, you know, what I need to improve on. And, you know, if I have a bad practice, like I'm still at the rink, I'm, I'm still doing what I love. Like I can't, I can't be mad and, you know, take those things for granted. So, um, like I said, it's kind of just your outlook and how you approach failures, um, mm. is how I view it. And what's pretty big for me. Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. But, you know, I mentioned how you grew up and playing in Massachusetts and you played your, your U14 years for a mix of uh, AAA and prep hockey, uh, teams, but what do you think is sort of the most important skill that young kids listening should be developing at a young age while they're playing minor hockey that, you know, now that you've kind of made those transitions, you know, looking back, um, what's a major skill that young kids should be focusing on early that will help them make that transition much easier to the next level when they get there? A skill I think all young goalies should develop um, really at an early age as possible is just to have passion for the game because, you know, as, you, as you're younger, it's especially in today's world, there's, you know, always, oh, you can go play for this club team and, you know, play 80 games and travel the country and things like that. But if you're not having fun, you don't love the game, then, you know, what's the point of it? And, you know, as you get older and stuff, you're only going to practice more and play more games and travel. And you really got to have that mindset of looking forward to going to the rink every day. And, you know, it's not really a chore. It's a privilege to go to the rink and it's, you know, it's a privilege to practice. And you know, even when you're really tired and, you got to go to the gym for a team workout. You know, that's a privilege to be able to do that. And right. um, I really just say having passion for the game and being thankful that, you know, you, you have the opportunity to play the great game um, of hockey is, is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then you spend your next two seasons playing for St. Sebastian School in the U.S. East Coast Prep Division. Uh, but when you're making that transition to prep hockey from from AAA, what surprised you the most and where did you struggle the most in, initially when you're trying to transition? What surprised me the most was was really the age gap because I'd never really played anyone over really two years of, of me. And that was right. kind of the first time where I jumped in and I saw, you know, how much I had to grow and how much stronger I had to get, how much mm. faster I had to get. And, you know, learn, jump in the locker room with guys that are, you know, up to seven, eight years older than me. Um, at St. Seb, usually everyone re repeats there. And um, I chose not to. I was one of the few kids that didn't. So I was mm. always the youngest kid in my grade. And then you know, some kids can repeat, you know, once or twice. So the age gap yeah. was huge. So I really learned how to mature really quickly. And uh, I think that was really good for me outside hockey too, you know, hanging out with a lot of the older guys and mm. um, just being around older kids allowed me to mature as a person a lot more. And as a goaltender as well, just getting a lot of shots in prep, even if it was just in practice for a while from a lot of the older guys. Um, it made me such a, a great goal and a great person going to St. Seb's. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess for kids looking to make the, the jump to prep school, you know, uh, and find success right away, you know, what's probably the best advice you can give them before they get there? Uh, yeah, I would say really before they get there is um, just to continue to work and get stronger in the gym. Because I remember mm. kind of my U14 year, I was like, hey, you know, I'm pretty fast and I'm pretty strong. And, you know, I, was, I wasn't content, but I was happy with where I was. And then once I got to making the St. Seb's varsity team, I you know, I really felt like a turtle in the race and I felt really slow right. compared to all my teammates. So um, I d definitely say to kind of expect that big, that big gap of speed and stuff. But, you know, at the same time, it's a great thing. And, um, you know, once you get used to the speed and um, you can mm -hmm. catch up and then you can finally, you know, get faster than the guys and get stronger. And um, I think it's really cool to, to see that um, de develop within the young goalies. Yeah. Yeah, and then after prep school, you were selected for the USNDTP program, the national program. Uh, obviously, an incredible feat to be a part of, never mind just getting the amazing results that you did. But, you know, looking back when you first transitioned to the program and had to play games in the USHL, you kind of touched on it before. But what exactly was the hardest part about transitioning to the next level? Uh, and, and where exactly did you struggle the most there? Man, yeah, the 
the first year there was a lot of struggle and a lot of failure. Um, I I remember playing our first weekend and we played the Johnstown Tomahawks in the Nall and I just remember it's kind of the first time that we were playing teams with you know visors and you know all these older right. guys they're 20 years old and you know, I think we're just 17 16 year old kids um, just moving away from home for the first time and um, I just remember just being so intimidated kind of looking at them and you know seeing them all with mustaches and things and you know <laughs> I haven't even got my permit to drive yet right um, so yeah I remember just kind of that factor into it and then you know once I started to get comfortable uh, we made the jump to start playing USHL games and um, you know at the program the, their big thing is development they want to develop the best yeah. players and you know, sure. make you into a really well-rounded person and um, you know sometimes you're not really set up for success you know you'll you'll work out five days a week and play games where you know other teams in the USHL are working out you know a few times and getting ready for the games and mm. Um, which what's which is great at the US program is you know they make you a lot stronger and um, and things like that so you know a lot of times you're sometimes playing games where you're a little sore a little tired but um, kind of like I said earlier you got to use the failures and um, really to propel you and you know, you got to take lessons from the failures I think that's the biggest thing that I learned that first year mm-hmm. yeah and then regarding uh, you know the program and your time there um, obviously I'm sure that they're teaching you some things that, uh, they're, that other guys aren't, aren't necessarily learning around the country, right? Uh, the best program in the country. Um, but what are some of the critical things that they taught you during your time there that you learned through the program, um, you know, that, the, that you believe has had a dramatic impact on, on your success in your career so far? Yeah, I touched on a little bit earlier is, uh, kind of just to appreciate your time at the rink, I think such a big thing with the U.S. program and USA hockey in general is, you know, not taking, you know, wearing the USA crest for granted. And, you know, whether it's in practice or whether it's going to school in the morning and being able to wear a USA hockey sweatshirt or things like that, you know, just mm-hmm. being being grateful to have the opportunity to play for the USA and, and represent your country because, you know, so very few people get to do that. And I still really carry that over um, into playing today. It's, you know, whenever I get to the rink, I'm just, I'm super grateful to play hockey. And I think, you know, it kind of goes a little unt- untalked about the program is, you know, how they develop the guys off the ice too. And they have such right. great people and um, such great mentors and coaches. Really everyone there is, is first class. And a lot, of, a lot of people talk about the success they have on the ice, obviously with all the draft picks they have every year. But um, it goes a little untalked about how, how well they develop the guys off the ice. So what exactly are some of the things that they're doing with you? Are you working with like sports psychs? Like wh- who are you working with specifically? Give us some details. Yeah, my my U18 year, a big thing for me off the ice was working with Brian Galvin, the strength coach there, and Will Morlock. Um, they kind of they helped me a lot, really develop into a good person, and um, really kind of built my work ethic outside of of the rink and um, in the gym as well. Um, they were kind of just always there whenever anyone on our team needed it. Um, we could always you know go to them, and you know especially in the gym too. After our practice, we would usually work out after practice and sometimes we're really tired or things like that and they were really just yeah. um, a great source of energy that we all needed every day and then uh, real but at the same time it's really everyone there um, I still stay in touch with the majority of my coaches Seth Appert is you know one of the best guys that I've ever met he was our head coach there and um, I still text mm-hmm. him for advice you know when I need it and um, he's awesome and then my goalie coach there Kevin Ryder I was lucky enough to spend a few weeks with him over in Lafayette so I was always always great seeing Kevin. And then, um, yeah, like I said, I could really reach out to anyone at the U S program for help. Yeah. Incredible, man. Is is there anything, you know, um, well, we like, you know, the show's goalie hacks, right? So, you know, is there anything that they taught you like specifically that you've kind of taken with you, like one hack or something that they either like an off ice drill or an on ice drill or something that you haven't really seen anywhere else that, you know, helps you kind of get an edge. Sure. Yeah. My first year and really my whole goalie career uh, leading up to the program before the games, I was pretty, you know, I was pretty uptight. Like I wouldn't talk to the, to the guys a lot. I'd kind of throw my headphones in and I was kind of one of those goalies that, you know, didn't really enjoy the time before the game as much as the other guys do. I kind of just did my routine and stayed myself. And um, the goalie there before, you know, on the older team, Spencer Knight really taught me a lot and having him there my first year was just, unbelievable and, and so cool to learn a lot from him and you know one thing he told me was 
just his routine, how he stays a little bit looser before the games and things like that. And, you know, I really felt that once I made the transition of playing, you know, full 20 minute periods where, you know, they do ice in between every period, they have intermissions, the games are a lot longer. And I felt that, you know, my routine before I was getting a little, you know, men- mentally foggy by the third period and I wasn't having, right. you know, the best third period. So I thought, you know, hey, let me bring in some of the, you know, maybe Spencer's tips and, you know, maybe that can help me stay a little bit mentally fresh, you know, not working as hard mentally before the game. And um, now, yeah, I like to stay loose before the games. I, I talk with the guys and um, I guess that's kind of one little trick that, that I learned just to stay a little bit more mentally fresh is um, just to have a little bit more fun before the games and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess for kids looking to, to, to make a smooth transition to junior or even to be a part of the, the USNDTP in the near future one day, you know, what what's like a, a skill that, you know, you think they can start developing today, like skating or play reading or anything like that specifically that, you know, help them prepare for those, for those challenges when they get there? Yeah, I would say on the ice skating, no doubt about it. I think, you know, really for any goalie of any age is – up till you get to the NHL, the game's always getting faster and guys are always getting faster. Right. And I think, you know, for goalies, you always have to, you know, have that edge and you need to be the best skater on the ice. And um, so obviously I would say skating is the biggest thing. And, um, you know, once you cover your skating, you know, the rest will kind of fall into place. Um, I think off mm-hmm. the ice too, I think um, really being adaptive and um, being open to change. I know I was kind right. of a guy that I didn't like a lot of change and, um, I, what I learned from, you know, a few of the mental strength coaches at the NTDP and some of the guest speakers we had is, you know, you kind of have to adapt to change and, and take it in. And obviously, you know, you're going through a lot of change playing in a different league with a different team and you're, you're living away from family and, um, you know, sometimes changing your little habits before the game or whether it's a little tweak in your gear or things like that is, can be really right. helpful. Yeah. And then I guess looking back at your whole experience, if you could go back and tell yourself one thing before making that jump, what would it be? Uh, I would say just to appreciate it again. Um, going to the U.S. program at the first year was like, I remember going through some days like, man, I can't wait to get home. Like my legs hurt so bad. I'm so tired. <laughs> I can't wait to get home. And then, you know, really once our season ended, our U18 year and we all went home uh, due to COVID really in the span of, I think it was around 18 hours. I got home yeah. and I, and it kind of hit me like, man, I, I might never play a game with those guys again. And, right. you know, at, when you're at the U S program, you're kind of just dialed into, you know, getting through each day. And, you know, at the same time, that's good, right? You want to focus and you, you want to go day by day, but at the same time you, you have to appreciate it. And, um, it's kind of cliche, but you know, time flies, you know, when you're having fun and, um, oh yeah, with the U.S. program, my know. time definitely definitely fly by. So, what is what does a day to day look like in, in inside the program? Like, what's your training regimen look like, even on a weekly basis? Yeah, it was pretty consistent uh, throughout both years. We'd most of us go to Plymouth High School, um, some go to Novi High School, um, and some go to Northville. So we're kind of split up a little bit. Um, so we don't usually see the full team until we get to the rink. We go to school from. I believe it was seven and we got out at 1130. So we kind of had half days, um, not at school too much, which I know the, the players enjoyed quite a bit. And then we, we get to the rink and have some lunch and usually things would start around one or one thirty, where we'd have meetings or video or, or whatever that may be, or whatever coach kind of wanted us, um, to do or to touch on before practice. And then we'd had to practice. It would usually be longer practices than teams are typically used to it be an hour and a half maybe sometimes two hours and honestly mm-hmm. sometimes longer than that too it really just depended wow. on uh what, what we wanted doing? to do uh we'd have usually team practice where you know you kind of do the typical drills like the flow drills things like that um and then they'd, they'd cut the ice we'd sometimes work on power play so um everyone getting power play or penalty kill and then um, other times too they'd kind of make it skills so they'd cut the ice um, sometimes even after that too and um, they'd bring out little cones and um, all the little, you know, contra- contraptions that the players use to work on their skills. And, you know, sometimes on days like that where you do a goalie skate before practice too, you could be on the ice over two hours. So it's wow. it's really taxing on the body. And then um, usually after practice would wrap up around 
three thirty or four, you get off the ice, and then we'd go into the gym uh, at least four or five days a week. I think it was usually five days a week, um, oh, and then nice. we'd we'd work out and um, probably work out for an hour, depending you know what day it is. If it's Friday, we probably won't work out for over an hour, but um, yeah, it's and then we usually get home around six thirty, and uh, you know we're in school too, so we have homework and things like that. So. For you're sure. really you're really not getting any time to relax since you wake up until <laughs> around seven o'clock. So, um, yeah, it's, it's long and busy days. Out. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So some of the was there anything in particular that you learned, like in terms of uh, the type of training you guys did off the ice that, you know, you, you felt has added to kind of your, your toolbox? Yeah, for sure. My our first year. um compared to our second year, we actually got a new trainer, um, Brian Galvin, like I touched on earlier, and he kind of brought mm-hmm. over his team. And, um, you know, I think that he has such a big role in the success that the program has and what they have going on right now, him being there with his team. Um, they, they completely redid the gym. And um, the biggest thing I guess I kind of learned from him is to work smarter and in a sense and not work harder um, at some times where, you know, he brought in um, these these kind of shirts you wear, I I actually still wear it on the ice just because I'm so comfortable with it from wearing it at the mm. U.S. program. But um, he brought in these sensor shirts where it tells you your heart rate, you know, how hard you're working. And, you know, some some days where, like I mentioned earlier, it's, you have the two-hour practices and the goalies are just getting bagged where, where yeah. we go in the gym. And it's like, you know, hey, we're, we just had a two-and-a-half-hour practice. We're not going to max squat today. And instead, we're going to do some, you know, 90-90 stretches or mm. things like that and really over the season and uh, maintaining that and um, just kind of keeping an eye on, you know, how hard we work in practice and mm. um, working smarter in the gym. I think that really helped me have a lot more success my second year than it did my first year. Yeah. So you're talking about kind of like load management. That's become a, a large area of focus for the program. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt about it. And him and his team there have, have been awesome when I was there and um, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing them in a few weeks when I go for the world junior camp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck with that, buddy. But I know last year you retired from the program, uh, and signed and attended Boston university this past season as a true freshman and back in October were selected a uh, second round by the NHL Chicago Blackhawks and just obviously an amazing 12 months for you, but maybe you can just detail to everyone your first impression of D one hockey compared to the program as a younger guy and, and what surprised you the most so far in your college debut as a true freshman? Yeah, the the I guess the beginning of playing D one it was a little bit kinda like joining Sebs where, you know, I joined the team and I was the youngest guy on it and I kinda had to look up to the older guys and learn a lot and um, you know, kinda catch up to them in a sense where, you know, some of these guys are six years older, they've had six more years of training, of skating. So yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? At this level, the age doesn't matter. You just have to go and perform. And, um, mm. you know, that's kind of what I learned. And, um, yeah, it was it was obviously a really hectic 12 months with really everything going on with COVID. And I didn't know if I was going to school, if we were even going to have a season or right. if we are going to practice at all. And um, I was just thankful that we were able to practice a lot. We were able to skate a lot. And um, I'm definitely looking forward to a lot more normal year this year. Yeah, and I guess so far for you personally, what has been the biggest adjustment like you've had to make to be able to compete at that level in terms of technicality, your stance, you know, something specific to kind of your playing style? Yeah, I would say my flow has has changed a little bit. Um, I think playing consistent. You flow, maybe you can maybe you can just detail exactly what you mean by flow. Yeah, my flow. So you know, kind of in rush plays or um, you know. The play develops a lot faster once you make that jump to college and the line rushes are really fast and you know, kind of find that proper flow before I, I came out a little too much above the crease and um, mm. I got a little too aggressive and I kind of found that you know, holding my edges and being a little bit more patient, I didn't, I didn't have to get so much depth and so much speed coming back. Um, I kind of felt that you know, once I got to the top of the crease, I could kind of scan the zone and see where everyone's coming rather than you know, getting so much ice and having so much drift back. I kind of limited that a little mm. bit. Um, as, as well as I started to play a little bit more narrow too. Um, and I think really that, that helped me hold my edges and hold my feet a lot longer. I think, you know, I'm a goalie that loves to beat everything on their feet and I don't like sliding around. And I think that, you know, playing a little bit more narrow helped my game overall, just, um, you know, beating pucks that are 
you know, maybe it's on the power play where it's a seam pass or um, side to side. I think you know, playing a little bit more narrow, it, it helped me get around the crease a lot better. Yeah. It, it, before you would say you're, you were a little more, how, how tall, you're a pretty tall kid, right? Yeah. I'm six two. Yeah. And it's, and you know, you hear from some guys that, um, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm a lot shorter than you are, but I, you've seen it, the kind of rise in the sort of neutral foot position, just because, you know, you have to be so much more patient on your feet. Now guys are just so good at kind of making that last dish play that as soon as you hit the ice with those knees, it kind of really puts you out of the play. Right. Is there, is there anything specifically like, uh, we met, you mentioned before the conversation, you've been working with Brian Eklund, who was a guest on the show about, uh, 15 episodes ago, but what's one of the, the biggest things that you've learned from Brian so far? We actually mentioned that you've been working with him your whole life, correct? I have, yeah. I've worked with Brian um, since I started playing goalie, like I mentioned earlier, when I was around 10. And I guess from the stance position um, and narrowing my feet a little bit, I, I started to do that just because I felt like I was a little behind the play, and, and Brian kind of noticed that too. And uh, last summer, we started working on that a lot, is you know just being pucks on your feet and like you kind of mentioned, players are so skilled nowadays and the play develops so fast where yeah. if you're scrambling and you're sliding around, you know, that's going to that's gonna bite in the butt sometimes where, yeah. you know, if you're playing on your feet. I know a few goalies that were in the playoffs that like to play like that are, you know, Grubauer has a more narrow stance. You could watch mm-hmm. that, um, see him doing that a lot. And Carey Price does it as well. Yeah. Um, as you look off of face-offs and, and plays, he likes to play. He started to play a lot more narrow. Um, so I'd... I kind of say those are two guys that you can look at and, you know, kind of notice the difference. And um, I guess little, not really technicalities um, point of it, but I started wearing the one-piece true skates. Um, okay. I honestly felt that that helped me so much playing playing narrow. And I think having the, the other two-piece ones with the um, – with the cow, with yeah, the yeah. – yeah, yeah. It just put me a little bit too much on my toes, and I felt like I was playing a little bit wider and – um, I made the transition to the one piece. I felt like I could just play a lot more, you know, neutral stance and um, a little bit more, you know, narrow, like I said. And I know Price wears them now too, and um, a, a lot of guys in the NHL wear them. Yeah. Is there anything specifically in terms of drills uh, other than just talking about your stance to work on patience, uh, staying on your feet longer? Like, what do you do with Brian? Yeah, some big drills that I like to do with Brian. I guess working on my stance and staying narrow is you know, really drills where the players have an option to do, you know, kind of what they want. And, you know, you kind of want to simulate, you know, what goes on in a game. And, you know, sometimes some goalie drills um, can get a little repetitive where you kind of know where it's coming a lot. And I think a good thing with Brian is he's been there and he knows kind of what goalies need. And, you know, having a lot of drills where the players have an option, right, where if if I go from, you know, the 45 to the other 45 and, you know, I beat the puck on my feet, but I'm I'm really wide, and I know the shot's coming. You know, I can get away with being really wide, but you know, if I get over there and the player has an option to you know drag the puck across the crease or or attack, right. where I'm playing narrow, I don't I don't have to worry about you know falling on on my butt or something like that. So um, yeah. I think those drills help me a lot. So add, basically, do you feel like adding that variability makes you feel a lot more comfortable when you get into game situations? It does, yeah, and like I said, it. Players are so good nowadays and at every level and the gear for them is getting lighter. Their sticks are getting better. The shots are getting yeah. faster. And I think a lot of goalie, goalie drills can take advantage of, you know, having the players um, kind of like freelance a little bit and let them do what they want. And I know mm-hmm. BU, it was good that we did that a lot too, where, you know, we did some drills where it was, you know, a lot of technicality things, but other drills where it was like, you know, Hey, the players are going to have this option and once they get here they can do whatever they want like in a game right. and i think that really prepares you well um for the games yeah absolutely i agree man and obviously you're looking to make that jump and in, in transition to the nhl in the near future and i know you have a bright future ahead of you but you know now that you're you're playing at the d1 level and you haven't played with the the ndtp program um and, and done very well there you know what are some of the the biggest changes you've had to make since going to college that you think are necessary adjustments to be ready for the nhl i would say the first thing is like the off the ice part and the strength um you mm-hmm. look at the nhl guys and you know they're really strong and um i think that's the biggest thing for me i've been in the gym a lot more than i've been skating the first half of summer just you know letting my hips take take some time off the ice and then right. you know really just getting stronger and 
you know, as the scene goes on too, it's a lot about body maintenance. And you know, I think what I, a big thing I learned last year, even though we only played you know a handful of games compared to what you're used to, is um, just your body maintenance. And you know, we didn't play as much games, but we we're still practicing. You know, probably even more um, than we were it's used to. Almost harder when you when you're practicing way way more, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like I mentioned, like you know, some weekends where we know we're not playing games, we're practicing. You know, Fridays and Saturdays hard, where right. you know you're usually not used to that. You. you know, so yeah, sometimes you know throughout the season, your legs can get tired, and you know you can maybe lose some weight. So, yeah, kind of what I'm f- focusing on is putting on a lot of muscle um, and a lot of flexibility too. I think you know as you get stronger and stuff, you don't want to lose that that flexibility and mm-hmm. um, that quickness you have. So that's what I'm trying to work on. Yeah. And now having played college hockey for this season, what's something you think is a, is a big misconception, you know, among amateur goaltenders and, and minor league parents and coaches that you think there should be more clarity on? Uh, like, what, what do you mean by that in college or? Yeah. So, you know, um, in terms of the level. Right. Or something like, you know, uh, there's misconceptions like, oh, you have to be you have to be tall to play college. You know, you have to be this or you have to be that or only these guys get to go play in college or, you know, uh, if if you have these skills or something, you know, Um, basically a misconception about getting the college jacket. You know what I mean? Like, what does it take versus what people think to actually get there? No doubt about it. Yeah, I think especially in today's world where there's so much pressure and so much stress on these younger kids to, to play with the best team around or, uh, you know, go to the best, you know, local club team and play and, and play so many games. I think as you're young, you want to develop and you want to, you want to be on a team that's going to give you a lot of playing time where you're going to see a lot of shots. Um, and I think really, I know that they just changed the rule of, you know, when you can commit and things like that. But, mm. um, you know, I think a big thing that, a lot of these younger kids and I guess parents as well can, um, can take is, you know, there's no rush to commit. And, mm, um, you right. know, with, with that being said, I, I committed at a, a very young age and, um, you know, at the time the decision was, was good for me to go to the U- university of New Hampshire, but at the same time, I was only 14 years old. And, um, as I, as I kind of matured and thing and stuff like that, a lot of things changed and, um, a lot yeah. of things changed for me mentally too. And, um, just there's really no rush to commit, um, like I said, to a college or, you know, it's not a race and things like that. Everyone develops at a different speed, at a different right. path. And, you know, there's one, there's no one, you know, right path to, to have success. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing answer, man. I just want to dive briefly now into, into your routines and people love that on and off the ice. And we'll start with sort of your game day routine, you know, take us from the night before to, to game time on, on game day and how you get ready to play every day. Sure, sure. My my routine starts. Um, yeah, I guess I'll I'll start with the night before. I don't do anything too crazy. Uh, it kind of depends to where we are. If we're on the road or if we're at home. If um, either or, really, I kind of the night before I like to relax and you know maybe watch a movie or, or Netflix or or something like that yeah. and keep it loose or play Xbox too. I like doing that with my friends. Mm. Um, really keep it loose. I don't I don't really like to you know get too crazy the day before just because you know you're not playing that day the next and then the next day i'll usually wake up i like to get up you know decently early go to bed the night before uh pretty early if at bu last year we usually had pregame meal around nine um or sometimes a little before then and i'd typically go to bed around 11 Um, but i usually like to shut my phone off at least like a half hour before um Mm. just to kind of like unplug a little bit and found um, that helps Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that helps. I think I started wearing blue light glasses too, and it helps me fall mm. asleep a lot faster. And it's actually pretty funny. My, my billets, um, when I lived in Michigan, my billet mom was big into essential oils and I still use them nice. all the time. So I, I throw those on before I go to bed, um, and just diffuse them in the room. It helps me sleep and helps me stay comfortable. And then, yeah, um, as kind of our game day unfolds, I'll have my pregame meal and then, what do you um, eat? Uh, last year, honestly, we didn't have too much of a choice. We, uh, with COVID, they, um, they had to kind of bring like prepackaged meals, if that makes any sense to the rink. Oh so, yeah? Were they good um, though? They were good. We have a restaurant, T. Anthony's, which is right down the street. Uh, so they make all of our food. So we'd get like chicken, um, some good like vegetable rice. Mm. Um, but if, you know, someone has allergies or doesn't like it, they can for sure change. And 
like I said, I'm not some crazy kid that's going to, going to say, you know, oh, I need six strips of chicken and I need a half a pound of pasta before I play, or I'm going to play bad. It's really, um, you know, just give me something healthy before the game and give me something that's going to feel comfortable come game time and I'm all set. And, um, really after that, I like to go and relax it. I guess kind of last year it's, it's tough to really give you a specific routine because last year game times were always at a weird time. We were playing at like four and things like that. Oh, Um, really? Yeah. I guess, I guess with the the rules, like the curfews around Boston and things like that, like you couldn't have people out past eight. So all of our game times were always flip flopping. So, um, wow. Do you take a nap? Yeah. Yeah. It honestly, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm kind of a goalie and I've kind of a kid that isn't going to be like too crazy. Like, you know, I kind of adapt to what I need. Like if I wake up and I come back from the rink or the meetings we have before it or something like that, and I'm tired, then, you know, yeah, I'm going to take a nap. Uh, yeah. But if I come back and, you know, I don't want, I don't want to take one, I'm not gonna. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's something that, you know, I really appreciate about my game is kind of like I can adapt and I don't really let anything, you know, control me. I kind of tr- like to control, you know, what I do. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's pretty fluid. And then once I get to the rink, I just like hanging out with the guys. I throw some country music on, um, nothing too nice. crazy. Sometimes play some soccer. Uh, I, I do have a specific stretching routine. I, I do to just to make my legs and my body feel good. And then, um, I guess the only really weird thing I do during the game is I just chew gum, uh, during the, the whole game. So, Oh, do you really? I do. Yeah. I felt it. I felt it helps a lot actually with kind of just my mental clarity and, and staying calm too. We had a, a guest speaker at the U S program come in and they talked a lot about how being happy and being calm just makes your muscles, you know, they feel different, right? When you're relaxed right. and you're loose, you play a lot better. And, um, there's, there's studies that, that show that, you know, when you're chewing gum, it like relieves stress or relieves tension in your mind and really? things like that. Wow. That's so interesting, man. I kind of took that and, um, you know, I tried it out and I started playing well and, um, kind of adapted ever since and um i'm fully convinced that it helps my game yeah yeah so i guess it during the game when you're playing in big games or you know everybody has a lot of firsts i always say this you always have a lot of firsts you have your your first junior game your first ndtp game you know your first college game your first nhl you know tryout all these types of things so you have a lot of firsts as a goalie in any hockey player in general which means that there's a lot of pressure that comes along with, you know, the anxiety that comes along with having those first. So what sort of your mental routine during a game to help you kind of avoid game time and performance anxiety and what kind of anchor techniques are either like external or internal do you use to center your focus and eliminate distractions regularly? Yeah, I think that, you know, as you get older, the games rolling and you get, you know, more stressful from the outside or, you know, have higher stakes. And I think it's really about, you know, all about how you look at it and, you know, at the same time, you could play in a championship game or it could be a preseason game. And, you know, your job's really the same. It's just to stop the puck. And we really have the simplest job in the world is just to stop the puck. And yeah, um, I think what's helped me kind of deal with the pressure and um, a lot of those things was my routine for practice in the games is pretty similar. I guess, you know, off the ice, it's a little different just because the game day is structured a little different than a practice day. But yeah. You know, once I get to the rink, I like to do the same stretches. I, I like to, you know, stay loose. And um, they they really helped with my consistency. I think that, you know, really just every time I step on the ice, my job is to stop the puck. And it doesn't matter if there's 18,000 people or if there's 500. It's, you know, I still mm-hmm. have the same job as, you know, to help my team win and stop the puck. So, right. um, yeah, I guess, you know, pressure is only really as big as, you know, how you, how you view it and, um, I know a, a great person to watch about that is, is Vasilevsky, obviously wrapping up his incredible run. And um, I know, right. like in his in his in the series clinching games, he's had five straight shutouts. And yeah. um, really, as you watch him play, he just looks calm and relaxed. And um, you know, that guy's playing to win a cup, and he's in the Stanley Cup Finals. He looks relaxed. I think that just shows a lot about his his great mentality. Yeah. Yeah, and then diving into your, your post-goal routine, what do you do after you get scored on, like either mentally or physically? Yeah, like I said, it's what I really focus, have been focusing on is just my mental game, and I honestly don't do anything, like, crazy. I mean, once the goal goes in, I kind of just forget about it. And like I said, 
I kind of have the same approach in practice and, and games. My job is to stop the puck. If a goal goes in, I just forget about it. Um, yeah. Kind of like it never happened, whether it's in, in practice or a game. You know, if it, if it's a game and I get scored on, I'm not going to you know go do something crazy and like tap my left post five times or something like that, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that, um, you know, a lot of times that can kind of just be a thing to get in the way. And for some guys, it helps, yeah. no doubt about it. But um you know every goalie is different and and that's just what works for me yeah do you like say anything to yourself like mentally like what's what's kind of the self-talk that goes on in your mind after situations like that yeah I think once you once a goal goes in I you know it could be a good goal it could be one I have no chance on or it could be you know one that I should have had um you know at the end of the day it's you really just have to refocus and um you know kind of what I tell myself is you know no worries you know that's fine um, you know, let's just go and save the next one. And, um, mm. you know, I think I learned a lot, a lot about that. My first year, um, with the U S program, I got scored on, I thought, you know, a lot in the beginnings of games where teams, older teams had come out flying and we just couldn't keep up. Right. And, you know, if I, I was worried about, Hey, like, you know, I can't lend two more goals or I'm going to get pulled. You know, that's just the mindset mm. you can't have. And, um, you know, what I figured worked for me was, you know, Hey, you know, that one's fine. Um, you know, obviously I'd love to have it, but there's nothing you can do now. Let's just focus on the next one and let's have a great game. Mm. Yeah. You have that next shot mentality. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then during the week, finally, you know, what are maybe like two of your biggest hacks for an on ice drill you do or an off ice drill you do that you feel like gives you an edge and it's something that you do on a weekly basis to, to help you get ready. Yeah. I'll start with the off ice, I guess. I've been doing this a lot this summer and I felt like it's helped with my RVH transition, I guess, like against the post mm. and going down is uh, kind of like the 90, 90 drills. Um, yeah. I, I felt like obviously I was, I was doing those stuff in the gym and, and things like that. But you know, this summer and this off season, I've kind of really implemented that away from the gym and away from the rink where I'm doing it at my house a lot. And I think it's helped me a lot, um, you know, just with my hips and staying flexible where, you know, I've been doing it for, you know, many weeks now and, and stretching every night where, you know, I can finally start to see the difference on the ice, which is great. And I can, I can feel it as well. Um, and then I would say on the ice too, there's a lot of different things you could do. I guess it really depends on, you know, what the goalie wants to work on. Like I said, for me, I'm, I'm working on my flow and, um, you know, staying narrow and things like that. And um, like what we've been working on is a lot of screens in my goalie skates mm. is, um, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of screens where you have to hold your feet a little bit longer and then react or, or things like that. Yeah. I, that's such a big part of, uh, jumping to the next level is learning how to deal with traffic at the next level. Cause guys are just so much smarter at taking your vision away. Right. Yeah. And as you get older too, they're only going to get bigger too. So, um, yeah. you know, as I was, I was kind of a taller kid growing up. So I quickly learned that you can't always just look over the shoulder and, and get away with it. You have to right. really adapt and find the, and you know, find the puck and battle for it. Yeah. Would you say like you're, you're, you've become better at hunting through screens and kind of finding holes wherever you can. Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, before I was, I kind of got into a bad habit where, you know, if I couldn't see over the guys, I'd kind of, you know, bleed back a little in my crease and lose mm. some of that depth. And I think, you know, as time has gone on, I've kind of learned to, you know, keep my ground and keep my confidence where, you know, if there's a big guy and I lose it for a half second, I'm going to look over his shoulder. And, um, you know, a lot of teams now are doing, especially in the NHL, they'll do those flash screens where they'll send a guy right. from, um, I know Tampa Bay did it a lot, um, you know, especially on the power play where they'll send a guy from the lower half of the net and, you know, someone will be on the boards and they'll flash screen and shoot it. So we've been working a lot about that on, in practice and um and things like that it's you know at the same time you know players are working on these things too right it's not just goalies that are having yeah. these skills they're they're working on things to try and beat us so um really anything that we can do to to help stay up um, up to pace with the players and you know stay ahead of them is is really key yeah no i love that man that's that's uh, becoming you're seeing in the nhl like these flash screens, like the player who has the puck, who's kind of coming off of that dot there on off the wall, they know exactly where they're going. As soon as that guy flash screens, he knows he's going like far side glove or something like yeah. that. It's become such a huge part, and it's so hard to to compete against, right? Because they they take away your vision as soon as the guy's shooting it, and then it's all of a sudden it's there, right? How how is Brian kind of showing you to deal with stuff like that? 
Yeah, it's it's funny you brought Brian with that. We were working on that this week actually, uh, with those with those screens. We'd have a goalie pass it from, um, you know, kind of the post, um, you know, a little bit um, closer, and then he'd pass and it would he'd have a flash screen. The shooter would you know typically shoot right at the goalie that was moving, and he didn't really have too much time. And um, we watched some video of Carey Price and you know just how good he is at doing that. Where you know on the Tampa power play, there'd be a flash screen and the guy would yeah. kind of shoot right at his own player, right at the lightning player, and he would jump out of the way really quick. And, you know, Price is so good at, you know, kind of finding that angle, you know, whether it's looking to the right of the player and, and he's and just trusting, you know, his his instincts and, you know, what he's learned in video and things like that, that, you know, this guy's going to pretty much shoot right where the screener is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's definitely a big thing for goalies to start working on and um, something that players and, and teams in general are, are trying to – to learn yeah yeah and finally i'm just curious what's what's the biggest adversity you ever faced in your career and how'd you overcome it man yeah i would say the summer between my u17 year and my u18 year at the u.s program uh i think it was about august and i i just moved back out for my second year and i was i was super pumped so i was obviously said bye to my family and um, i got fully moved and uh, i think we didn't start games for honestly a month or maybe even two uh mm. so we had a lot of training camp it was just off-season workouts and um i remember i went like went through school i went through my day i hadn't heard from my mom or anything and it was kind of unusual because she always texts me and then i got home and text her is still nothing so i kind of knew something was up and then mm. you know she called me and said and told me my brother had been hit by a car and you know that they were all in the hospital and things like that oh so God. Um, yeah, I was, I was kind of taken off guard by that. And, um, like I mentioned earlier, everyone at the U S program is so great about your life outside of the rink. So, um, they let me fly home for a week and then, um, that really kind of changed my perspective, not only on life, but on hockey too, is yeah. never really could take anything for granted. And, um, I, I guess COVID's taught me that too, is, you know, everything's a gift and, um, you know, having such a, a severe injury, thankfully he's okay now, but, um, having such like a severe and scary incident like that has really taught me just to appreciate what I have and appreciate going to the rink every day and appreciate having a good family. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, Judy, how many last words of advice for everyone listening that you feel passionate about sharing? Uh, yeah, man, I would just say just to enjoy the time at the rink. Um, and like I recently just said is, is just to enjoy it because, you know, we get to play the best game in the world and, you know, every day, at the rink is truly a gift and especially with COVID where we were shut down for a year. Um, yeah. so many kids that kind of lost that outlet. And, you know, for me too, it's, you know, sometimes if I have a bad day at school or if something outside of the rink is going wrong, hockey really allowed me to kind of put that all away and, yeah. um, and go to the rink and have fun. And, um, yeah, I would just say for everyone to appreciate that everything's getting back to normal and, and that the game of hockey is, is back like we're used to having it. Yeah, well, Drew, thank you so much for uh, coming on, buddy. I always love, you know, having active goaltenders out there experiencing what it's like right now and, and currently fighting their way through real current challenges at the highest levels of hockey. And I know today we'll just shed a ton of light on what it takes to get to the next level and find success. So can you just let people know where they can get in touch with you online? Yeah, my Instagram is Drew Camesso. Uh, my, my Twitter is Camesso29 as well. Um, so yeah, if anyone has any questions, I'd I'd love to help, whether it's goaltending or or outside the rink too. So um, yeah, that's where you can find me on social media. Right on. So go check out Drew Camesso. All the links will be available in the show notes if you want to go check him out. And he's played at the next level and experienced tons of success for years now uh, in his young career. And I know he's got a very bright future ahead of him. But uh, maybe somewhere down the road, we'll have you back on the show, dude, if that's something that interests you. Would love to. Well, I'm grateful for you coming on, buddy. Good luck as we roll into the summer and, and development camps. You take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon, man. Yeah, thank you very much.
Thanks for tuning in this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come on to the show in the next few months. And make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next week, I have another awesome coach from the next level coming on, and that's Kevin Swanson, current WHL goalie coach for the Lethbridge Hurricanes, now turned WHL coaching veteran, you know, coaching in the WHL the, the nine of the last 15 years. And in this convo, we dive into his journey getting to the WHL, his first impressions of pro hockey, and what he would have done differently to get an NHL debut, and what exactly younger goaltenders should be focusing on to prepare them for the challenges that lie ahead of them. And uh, Kevin was very candid and open about his journey, his experience, and, and I'm really excited to share this episode with you guys. So you won't want to miss this one, so make sure to tune back next week without further ado here are the giveaway details for our monthly giveaway we do for the goalie hacks podcast and just as a note here if you enter into this giveaway even if you don't win uh, we select four winners a month and and that includes books uh, different products training products uh, neuro tracker subscriptions we give away all sorts of things we pick four people a month and even if you don't win uh, one month you're always entered into uh, the the future the future giveaway so to enter the giveaway if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, just take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.